Right, um, today's message is um, it's quite an interesting message and uh, I hope it's going to be a challenging message to each and every one of us. We'll just open with a word of prayer before we, we start. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do pray, Lord, that, um, Lord, that this message would be a stirring one to our hearts, Lord, that we may have a better understanding of what your will is for our lives, Lord. And also, Lord, we pray, Lord, that you'd hide me behind your cross, Lord, that, I, that only what is preached here today is from you, Lord, that you'd just guide me and you'd direct me in the way that you want me to go, Lord. Lord, we pray that this message would just stir our faith, stir our hearts, to do that, that, that which is pleasing your sight, Lord. Because time is short, Lord, we know. Ask in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Okay. I've been reading a book, which is an, a very interesting book. And the book has been, is called The Challenge of Missions by a, a, a man called Oswald J. Smith. And it's really challenged me on what the Lord wants in our lives as a married couple and also in my life personally. This talks about mission work all around the world. And this, this church here, which we are in, is really fortunate that we have two people that have a desire to do something for the Lord overseas. The first one is Anna Beth, who's actually gone, and um, she's looking at doing translation of the Bible into a foreign language. And she's basically going through the whole uh, process with that. So she's, she's going to be involved with, um, I'm not exactly sure, I, f- I forgot the, the, the language she's going to be translating the Bible into, but she's busy in the process doing that. And the second is also Kelly. Kelly is um, looking at going with Chris Hustler to um, Zambia in Africa to try and assist there. And she's going to go there for, uh, I believe it's a month, and try and help with the mission work there as well. And this is really great that there are two people from this church that want to go and give God's word to people of other countries, people who might not have ever heard of the gospel, who don't know God's word. Or don't have their, their, their own lang- um, God's word in their own language. But we've got to ask ourselves this question. Is this actually enough? Is it just the two um, girls from this church going out? Is that enough? Is that really what God wants us to do? Well, one of the questions we've got to ask is, where are all the, the young men that want to go out? There's no desire. Is there no desire in, in even one of the young men's hearts to do this? With today's message, what, I, what I'll try and do is to challenge and encourage you to do something for the mission, mission field. So what we'll do is we'll start with in Ezekiel. The book of Ezekiel, chapter 3. And what we're going to do is we're going to read from Ezekiel, chapter 3, from verse 17 to 19. Ezekiel, chapter 3, verse 17. Son of man... I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore hear the word of my mouth, and give them warning from me. When I say unto the wicked, Thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speaketh to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity. But his blood will I require of thine hand. Yet, if thou warn the wicked, 
and he turn not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall surely die in his iniquity, but thou shalt, be de thou shalt deliver thy soul. This passage of scripture seems only applicable to Ezekiel's time and to Israel. But if we actually take a slight little bit of liberty and we look at this passage and see how we can make it slightly more applicable to each and every one of us. So I'm going to change the one or two words in this, in, in this passage and I'll reread it. But if you just follow in the Bible and see what changes I've made and see what it says. If I, really change, if I change, add a few words in here and I read it as follows, just follow in your Bible and see what it says. Christian worker, I have made thee a watchman unto the whole world. Therefore hear the word of my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say unto the heathen, thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speaketh to warn the heathen from his heathenish ways to save his life, the heathen shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require of thy hand. Yet, if thou, wilt, if thou warn the heathen, and he turn not from his heathen, heathenism, nor from his heathenish ways, he shall, surely, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou shalt deliver thy soul. His blood will I require of, at thy hand. If we look at it that way, then this passage is true for every Christian. This, although this sermon is more focused on the mission work, this is also true for each and every one of us in our daily lives. Do, do you, Christian, do you have a neighbor who doesn't know Christ? Or maybe a best friend? Maybe a work colleague? Have you actually told them about Christ? Have you actually shared the, the good news that Christ came to die for them on the cross? Or have you kept silent? Maybe, you know, you might not be able to talk to someone. Have you actually, what you can do is, you know, if you're afraid, maybe you're shy, you're not sure how to bring, breach the topic, you can hand them a gospel track. What about a neighbor? You can put an, a gospel track in the, in in the letterbox or at their desk, your work colleague at, on, on, on the desk. And they can read it. You never know, maybe by that little track, that person could be saved. The question you've got to ask yourself is, do you want anyone's blood on your own hands? That's what this, this passage is saying. This message is just re as relevant today as it was in Ezekiel's time. Today, if we actually look around and see the world, we really see that it's really a messed up place. Um, there's many wars out there. There's violence. Violence is on the increase. If we even look in the local newspapers, we see how people are beaten up at the train stations. And, you know, there's questions of whether it's, it's actually safe to go out at night anymore. Crime is on the increase. I come from South Africa, and I've seen a lot of violent crime and a lot of um, and it's been very very violent over there and it's quite interesting to see that even though in Australia the crime is on the increase we, we, we see 
um, incidents of, of people glassing people with bottles and cups and all these different things. And it's really terrible. Um, it shouldn't be like that. But we do see that, and the world is really evil. There's a lot of pain and suffering in the world as well. We see, even with the earthquakes that we see, a lot of people suffering, people are without foods. We see the natural disasters taking place all over the world. And this place, uh, and it's really getting worse. Even those people that live in privileged countries like Australia and America are finding that life is becoming more difficult. Even if we don't look at the violence and if, even if we don't look at the crime, we find that there are a lot of places, a lot of people are becoming unemployed. The unemployment rate is increasing. I know they're saying in Australia it's, it's down. But Australia is just waiting. What if China has a hiccup? The same problems could come here. We, we're relying a lot on overseas on, on China and the exports. That keeps our unemployment low. But even still, prices of things have been, have been going up. Things are just getting more expensive. And it's becoming more difficult for, for families to make ends meet. This is true for both the believer and the unbelievers. Unbelievers have no hope. They just have to endure the struggles that they go through and the troubles of the world. But believers, and we're told in Luke 21, verse 38, that when men's hearts are failing them, we should look up. For our redemption draweth nigh. Christ is coming back, and we know that. The scripture says it, and we believe that as Christians. Christian believes that Christ is coming back for them. And this is the blessed hope that we have. We know that scripture tells us that no one knows the date nor the time that Christ is coming. Now many times people say, you know, we've seen it and heard it many times in the past where people make predictions that the end of the world is going to take place on this date and that day. We know from scripture that when a person sets a date, that date is wrong because no one knows the date. Scripture declares it. But now what I want to really want to focus on is what is Christ's last commandment to us? What did Jesus say to to us, what is the last commandment that Jesus Christ gave to us before he left? Are we supposed to just sit down and enjoy the life that we have here, knowing that we're going to go to heaven when we die as Christians? Do we just make the most here and build up mansions and get wealthy and, as scripture would say, uh, of unbelievers, eat, drink and be merry until Christ comes? What I want to do is we turn to Matthew chapter 28. And we read the last bit of scripture, uh, last thing that Christ said in the book of Matthew. Matthew 28, and we will look at verse 18 to verse 20. Matthew 28, verse 18 to verse 20. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. There's an explicit command from Jesus for us to go to all nations and to share the good news with them, teaching them about his uh, their lost state, their sinful nature, and their need of a saviour. Turn to the book of Mark. We're going to go, go to Mark chapter 16 and see what Mark says on the same, same uh, passage of scripture. 
Mark chapter 16. We're going to read from verse 15 to 20. Mark 16, verse 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So then, after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven, and sat at the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. Here we see that Jesus again commands his disciples to go into all the world to preach the gospel to every creature. He did not say go and preach just to the people in Faulkner or to Melbourne or to Australia. The commandment is to go to all the world and to preach the gospel to every creature. And what do we read in verse 20? In verse 20 we read, it says, They went forth and preached everywhere, and the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. The disciples obeyed and went everywhere preaching the gospel, preaching the good news that Jesus came down to die on the cross for sinful man. And if we believe in him, we have eternal life. It is a real blessing that there are two people from this church that are willing to go out to the world to share the gospel message. Many churches don't have anyone. We should support and we should encourage them as best we can. I have a quote from an atheist, which is a really interesting quote. You know, and, and we've got to just think about, okay, we know that this is an atheist who's giving this quote. He doesn't believe in God, so that's what he believes. But it's a very interesting thing, what this atheist sees. And we should actually just think about it ourselves. He says, you Christians, you see, if I believed what you believed about hell, I would crawl on my hands and my knees across broken glass to the four corners of the world to warn people of it. It's really interesting if you think about it. Do we really believe that hell is that bad that we would do that? An atheist, reading scriptures, understanding what hell is about, says this, that we should do this, that he would do that if he believed what we believed. Do we really believe? Christian, do you have a burden for the lost? Do you really believe that hell is a real place? Go to ask yourself the question, what are you doing about it? Our friends and family may have heard the gospel message preached by us many, many times. We've, we've told them about the message. Or even our friends, we might have told them over and over again. And they've heard it. And we pray for them. And yes, the Lord may be working their hearts. All right? It may take some time for them to come to know you. But we could ask the question, what about the people that have never heard the gospel message? Never heard it in their own language? Or never heard it at all? We could ask ourselves this question, will their blood be on our hands? Are we willing to have that? 
So we ask ourselves, what can be done? What can we do? What can we do as individuals to try and alleviate this? Alleviate this. Turn with me to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, and we'll read from verse 11 to verse 15. Romans chapter 10, verse 11. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? How shall they believe on him whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings, uh, glad tidings of good things. Verse 15 tells us to send people. We are sent to people, we are to send people onto the mission fields. There are hundreds and thousands that have never heard the gospel message. Now, I've got some bit of information and some dots here. It'll be a little bit outdated, but it's a really interesting fact if you look at some of this data. Okay? Currently, there are about 2,974 major languages around the world. Do you know how many have the Word of God in their own language? Can anyone even guess of the 2,974? Anyone with a number? 2,900. Say about 3,000 languages in the world, major languages. How many do you think have, have the Word in their own language? Even a portion of Scripture? No, well, that's a bit low. But. There's only 1,185. That's only a third. A third of the world has scripture in their own language. That leaves about 1,800 languages without even a portion of God's word in their own language. Now if we read again here in Romans 10, verse 17, it says here, so then faith comes by hearing, and by hearing by the word of God. How can they believe if they don't hear? How can they hear without the word of God? There are over 2,000 tribes that have, have been identified without the gospel. There are tribes in New Guinea, South Sea Islands, Africa, South America, even some of the Aboriginal um, uh, communities, India, Indochina, etc. All these people are lost, and they're going to go to a lost eternity without the gospel message, and they do not have the message in their own language. It's a real blessing that someone like Annabeth is willing to go and try and get the language in an African language. But you've got to ask yourself, what can you do? What can I do as a Christian? There's a few things that we can do. And here's, here's a, it'll actually, Christ's great commission can be expressed in three words. The first one is look, the second one is pray, and the third one is go. 
We'll look at these individually. Turn to John chapter 4, verse 35. John chapter 4, verse 35. Say not ye that there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Christ tells us to look, lift up our eyes. Many times we're looking down at the ground. Maybe we just look at our, in front of us. You know, sometimes we just walk around and we look down like this and we walk along the way. Even if you're walking in the city or in the shopping mall, we just look, we know where we want to go. We're just looking down and we just keep looking. We're not looking up. But Christ tells us to look, lift up our eyes and to look at the fields. There are millions in China, India, Africa. Look at the field of the world. They're all white, ready for the harvest. We're all looking, we are to look at the fields that are out there. Places where the, the gospel message has never gone out. We're supposed to look out there and see that all these people that are going to lost eternity, all ready to come in to know Christ. Turn to Matthew chapter 9 and verse 37. Matthew chapter 9, verse 37. Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 and 38. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into the harvest. The second thing we can do is to pray. Here Christ is telling us that the harvest is great. And when we look up, we can see that the harvest is great. But the thing that we have to do, and the scripture says, that there's few laborers. There are not that many people out there. And we are, to, we are commanded to pray that the Lord would send laborers into the harvest. So the thing that we can do is pray that the Lord will raise up people to go into the harvest. And the third thing that we can do is to go. Look at Matthew chapter, we'll turn to Matthew, oh, we don't have to turn there, I can read the scriptures out. This is what we had before. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. And then Mark 16, verse 15 says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. As a Christian, it is our responsibility and our obligation to share the gospel message with others. Uh, you've got to read Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 18. I should have kept that position. Yep. Ezekiel 3, 18 says, When I say unto the wicked, Thou shalt surely die, thou givest him not warning, nor speaketh to warn the wicked from his wicked way, to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require of thy hand. The question you've got to ask yourself is this. If you see a blind man about to walk over a cliff and you do not give him a warning, are you going to be responsible? You've got to ask yourself this other question. Am I my brother's keeper? We've heard that in scripture somewhere before. Just at the first murder. God tells us to warn people. We are meant to warn people. 
in, in, in Mark chapter 16, verses uh, 15, which we just read now, it says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We are to preach to every creature in all the world. Now the question is, how do we go? How do we do this? Well, one, the first, there's two ways we can do this. The first way is that we can go out to the mission fields ourselves. We can go ourselves and spread the gospel. Now this may not be possible for everyone. A person's age might be against them, their health, etc. There may be a couple of factors that may affect your ability to go yourself. Some people might have already tried to go, but maybe illness turned them back, or they might not have been suitable to the climate, and they could not adapt. But this does not mean that if you can't go, you can just sit back and say, relax, okay, we'll just do it. The second way can be then implemented. The second way is to send a substitute. We can send someone else in our place. We can, people who are being called by the Lord to go out to the mission field. What we should do with these people is we should encourage them. We should support them both um, so that they are willing and able to get to the mission field. Our supreme purpose of, as a church should be to see that the lost are saved. That's what the supreme purpose of the church should be, is to see the lost saved. Because that's the only thing that counts for all eternity. Nothing else matters. If someone's gone to eternity, or lost eternity, their position can never be reversed. Our substitutes, for instance, Annabeth and Kelly, needs our support. They need our financial support, they need our emotional support, and they need our spiritual support through prayer. Christian, have you actually directly contributed financially to um, the missionary mission fields? Have you actually um, supported someone as a substitute? <coughs> have you actually contributed to someone at the battlefield, at the front of the battlefield? Have you set aside some of the blessings that the Lord has directed and given to you to the mission field? If not, brethren, it is, I would encourage you to start. It is never too late. And all these rewards that you give will, 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 will be repaid. God is no man's debtor. You're repaid in, in, in eternity when you get to heaven. W would it be a blessing that someone that you never ever know and maybe a, a, a native of a country that has never heard the language come up to you in heaven and say, thank you for contributing. Thank you for helping that mission, missionary to get, get to me that I could be saved. Wouldn't that be a blessing that, someone, that you wouldn't know that through some effort of yours be saved? I would encourage you to start. It's never too late. The harvest is white. The laborers are needed. If you cannot go yourself, then send a substitute. Support that substitute financially. Support that substitute emotionally. Sometimes they need that emotional support. Support that, that, that substitute spiritually through prayer. Just as I'm about to end this message, there's one, one bit of quote which I just want to, to read out. It's from Dr. A.B. Simpson. He wrote, A hundred thousand souls a day are passing one by one away in Christless guilt and doom without, without one ray of hope or light. 
with future dark as endless night, they are passing to their doom. Now this message is also true to anyone here who might not have trusted in Christ as his Savior. If there's, no one, if there's someone here that's not saved, don't delay. We do not know when our time is up. We could walk out here, get on the highway, and have an accident, and we'll be gone. And we'll go into lost eternity. If someone here is not saved, please come off this message. Come and speak to me or speak to someone about it. But do not delay. We know that many people have never heard the gospel message. But if the Lord is working in your heart today, turn to Him today. Time is short. Time is passing away. We don't know when that will happen. You know, when, when our time is up. But um, don't, de- don't delay. Amen. Right, um, just close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray, Lord, at this time, Lord, that, um, that you spur in our heart this desire to go and uh, contribute to the mission fields, Lord. We pray, Lord, that, the mission, that we would support missionaries and, Lord, that you'd raise up more people in this church that will go out and do the will for you, your, your work out there in the mission fields, Lord, in different countries, Lord. Lord, we pray, Lord, that also if there's anyone here that is not saved, they may come to know you and may come and ask so that they know the way to salvation, so they may have eternal life. Lord, we pray, Lord, for the rest of the service. We ask in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.